Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. And what a great kind of lifting up to be able to see some of our, our different uh, uh, folks and as they read the scripture. And, and just so thankful we've had this journey together um, deep into this text of Ephesians chapter 6. And so I know that this has been a, a beautiful text, especially for this time. As we, we know that we're in a spiritual battle and, and we know um, that it's difficult. But we also know that God is good and that God is faithful and that God is helping us right in the midst of it. Now I do want to tell you, in beginning next week... Um, we're going to be talking about the unity of the church and, and being united, even though we're going to be people who have different experiences, different perspectives, um, all sorts of differences. How can we be one in Jesus? Because that was actually one of Jesus's great prayers um, was that we would all be one. So we're going to be looking at unity, especially in the midst of diversity and other things beginning next week. But today, as we talk about that final thing, about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, this is what we're going to be focusing on. And so I brought a, I brought a dagger that, um, that we actually have um, at our house uh, with, the, with the boys. And, and so this is a, a really a fun thing for us to be able to play with. Every once in a while, we'll do sword fights. We'll also um, do some lightsaber battles as well. Now, I'm really not much of a, of a fighter, um, but I know that there are people who are. Um, and, and people who've especially trained in martial arts, right, that you really do have to be trained. You just can't, like, figure out, oh, I'm going to do karate and then not train for it. But you have to respect the art and you have to learn about it. And it's the same thing with weapons, too, right, that if, if you're going to be um, using uh, any kind of, of weapon, you need to be trained in it, right? We have the saying that, that, you, that, that you're shooting yourself in the foot, right, that if you don't know how to use a weapon in the right way, all right, then you can end up hurting yourself or hurting somebody else as well. And I would imagine that would be the, the case with the, a sword um, or a dagger, which is probably more what the, the scripture was. It, it kind of meant more of a, a dagger. You need to learn how to use it and how to use it appropriately, especially a double-edged sword, because it could cut you either way that you did it. Um, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we hear this word from the, the author of Hebrews, who said this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of heart. That, that, that really the word of God, which is what we're focusing on today, is this sharp instrument, all right, that, that, that can cut right two things. And it's interesting that, that the author of Hebrews talked about this double-edged sword, all right, that was sharp on both sides. Um, and, it, and it really made me think of a passage that, that we found in the Old Testament in Judges chapter 3. Now, this is not a passage that most of us know well. It's really, and you're going to see why in a little bit, while we don't really teach it in children's Sunday school, all right, but to me, it's one of the most fascinating stories in the Old Testament. Now, if you want to read weird stories, go to the book of Judges, because there's a bunch of weird things. But Judges chapter 3 certainly um, has this kind of strange story. And so in Judges 
what, there was kind of this pattern, all right? It's so that the people of God, they would, they would have a, a strong judge who would rise and they would follow God for a while and then they would end up kind of falling away from God and, and so they would end up being captured as part of their disobedience and, and they, somebody would rule over them. And so then they would cry out to God and then God would send them a deliverer, a new judge who would lead them and deliver them from whatever was going on. And so God's people, um, they, they were being taken over and, and they were being ruled by the Moabites, all right? Particularly a guy by the name of, of Eglon who was the king. And so for 18 years, they cried out to God and they said, Lord, save us. And so God sent them a deliverer, all right, by the name of Ehud. And, and Ehud came and he was the one that, that set them free. Now, it was really interesting because the Bible gives us strange details from time to time. And anytime there's a strange detail, you should perk up. That's one of the ways in which I read the Bible is I look for what is it that doesn't seem to belong there or doesn't seem to make sense. There's a reason why it's there. And so in Judges 3, it tells us that Ehud was left-handed, all right? Now, why does that matter? What, what difference does that make? Now, um, I know that there's probably not a lot of left-handed people. I'm sure there's a few of you that are watching. But the world is set up for right-handed people, right? That, that we have this right-handedness that, that dominates, right? I remember um, as a kid, you know, we'd have those desks that, that you could sort of put your right arm on. I don't know how you left-handers did it well, where you didn't have that, that same little arm to rest. It was set up for a world for right-handers. Well, so too. Um, in those days, left-handedness was even more rare, all right? And they assumed everybody was right-handed. And so the scripture tells us that Ehud made his own dagger, all right? He made a double-edged dagger that he used. And it said that when he went to go pay tribute to the king, all right, that he, tied it, that, that he hid it along his right thigh. Now, this is really pretty fascinating to me as I think about it, because here is what they would do, is that... Is that I guess they would check the, the left thigh because if you were right-handed, you'd grab it over here. You'd grab the weapon over here. But they didn't even think to check the, the right thigh to see that, that he could grab the dagger from there. So he got an audience with the king. And what he did was he hid it and wrapped it here under his clothing. And they didn't even check. And so he goes to meet the king. He goes to pay tribute. And this is what the scripture tells us about the king to describe Eglon. It says, now Eglon was a very fat man. All right? Uh, not your typical scripture reading. All right? This, is, this story is not typical at all. All right? And so you can imagine the scenario in which Ehud has a dagger there and he goes and encounters the king. And this is, and I want to read it to you. All right, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. This is Judges 3, 20 through 23. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. As King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached out with his left hand, pulled out the dagger strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. So Ehud did not pull out the dagger, and the king's bowels emptied. Then Ehud closed and locked the doors and of the room and escaped down the latrine. I mean, this, again, super bizarre, right? Like, this is such a weird, weird story. But I think it actually teaches us a lot about how the word of God 
can be used as a weapon and what the word of God actually does to our hearts and to the hearts of other people as well. Because what happened is once Ehud escaped, he gathered his army and because he had killed their king, they were able to overcome the Moabites and it said they lived in peace for 80 years. 80 years of peace. What a beautiful gift. But I do think this story is full of symbolism about the power of the word of God. And I don't think it's any coincidence what the writer of the Hebrew said, that it was a double-edged sword, because I think it does mean to talk about how it serves different purposes and what the word of God does. Because it is the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the word of God. So what does this story tell us about the word of God? The first thing it tells us about the word of God is that the word of God delivers us. All right, that, that it does serve to take us from darkness to light, from slavery to freedom, from struggles to hope, from sorrow to joy, that the word of God delivers us. All right, and so it is what can give us hope when we feel hopeless. It is what can shine light on a path when it feels darkness. And this is what it is. It isn't just a book of information, all right, that tells us some things that God did. That's not the point is to inform us about God, but it is to deliver us and to give us hope in the midst of everything, all right? And this is what we as the people need, is we need to be delivered. We need to go from darkness to light and that the word of God can provide that, 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 that the word of God through the spirit of God can take us into new places. Like I said, it's not just a book of information, but it's a book of transformation. If we open ourselves to what is called a living word, and not just a history book, but a word that is alive and that speaks to each and every one of us, um, sometimes in in, in some unique and different ways. Because that's the next thing that the word of of God does, is that it strikes us in unexpected ways, all right? I mean, if again, that was part of the whole story with Ehud, is that because he was left-handed, he was able to strike the king, and nobody knew what was there. There are some times that that when I'm reading Scripture, and when I open myself, there is something that, that just sort of stands out, all right? And, and, and it just sort of hits me unexpectedly if I'm open. I'm not always open. Sometimes I go to the Bible and I think, I know what this says. All right, and so I'm going to read it. But, but when I'm open to the Holy Spirit, there, there'll be something that will strike out. Now, sometimes I don't like it at all. I'm like, I don't, be, I don't want to believe that. I don't want to be a part of that. But the word of God is good to us, all right? And so it strikes us in unexpected ways. And so if there is something in Scripture that is striking you in an unexpected way, it may be that God is pointing out something that, that, that he wants to change in your heart or in your life or in your perspective. He wants to transform some avenue. And so he's striking you at an unexpected level. All right, because so many of us, we say, this is how I see the world and this is what I believe and this is what I'm gonna do. But we gotta be open to the transforming power of the world that will strike us in unexpected ways. Now, the word of God also penetrates us to the core, right? I don't, did you pick that up in the story that, that the dagger went through all the fat, all the junk, all the gunk that was there and got right inside and got him right at the heart, all right? And this is what God does, is that his word, again, when we're open, will penetrate us to the core, all right? And so it's a living and active word, and it's going to get right to the heart. You and I have heart issues, we, we care about things way more than we should care about. We love things that, that maybe we shouldn't love. All right, we have, we have worldviews and perspectives that are broken because of systems that we are in. And we need to be penetrated right to the heart. 
not just to be treated at the symptoms, but at the cause. And this is what God wants to do, is, is, is that he's not just going to say, oh, I want to make you feel better. He wants to transform our hearts. He wants to get right to it, all right? And this double-edged sword, this dagger can get us right to the heart, just like it did the King Eglon. And that's what can happen to us, all right, is the Word of God can penetrate us, and it can penetrate other people. Now, you probably picked this up, all right? I used uh, the New Living Translation because it said it kind of nicely. There were some other versions that said it a little more frankly, but it said this, so Ehud did not pull out the dagger, and the king's bowed emptied, all right? All right? It's, here's, what, here's the way I, I say it today, is that, is that the word of God forces the ugly out of us, all right? It gets that junk, all right, and it gets it out of us. It expels it out of us. There are some things in my heart, there are some things in my life that are not of God. They're of the world. Their worldviews, their other things that come more from the world than they do from God, and they're not true, and they're not good, they're not holy, all right? And the Word of God can just penetrate us and then knock those other things out, these things that say, you know what, that's not the way the world should be. That's not who I made you to be. And so God's Word should penetrate us and should knock some of those stuff out. And if we are not being challenged by the Word of God, It's not God's fault, it's ours. Because that means that we're not going to the word of God and saying, Lord, change me. Instead, what we're doing is we're going to the word of God and we're saying, Lord, confirm the way I believe. And that's what happens with so many of us, is we go to the word of God and we say, Lord, just please help me to keep thinking what I'm thinking because I like what I'm thinking because I don't have to change anything. But what God wants to do through his word is to challenge us. And so if you're not being challenged by the word of God, then you're not being open to God's goodness and God's love. And so this is really a challenging word for all of us because it means that we have to go open, we have to go honest, we have to say, Lord, strike me, penetrate me to the core, and get the junk out of me. And so this is what, this, this is what the word of God does, all right? Now, we do believe it is a sword of the Spirit, And so the word is living and active, all right? It's not just a book that was written 2,000 years ago that tells a history, but it is a book that speaks today to each and every one of us, all right? And that that the Spirit of God is alive. Now, the Spirit of God can speak to us in a lot of ways, but the primary way that the Spirit of God speaks to us is through his word. And the Spirit of God helps us to do a few things. The first thing that the Spirit of God helps us to do is to know the word of God. All right, we need to have the Word of God in us, all right, because there are times in which we're going to need it to save our lives and to make life better for other people. I remember hearing a story of a, of a pastor, and he was actually working at a college at the time, and so there was this young lady who, who came into his office, and she was obviously had been emotional, and, and, and he kind of looked at her, and, and he said, you know, what's, um, you know, what's going on? What's a what's the matter? And she said, I was, I was standing on the edge of a bridge, and I was about to jump. And, and she said, um, but then all of a sudden, I, I hear this word in my head that says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. She says, I have no idea where that came from. Where does that come from? And so uh, it's actually a scripture from First Peter, I believe. And, and so he, he says, well, did you go to church as a kid? And she said, no, my parents never took me to church. And and then she said, well, I'd go to my grandma's every summer, and, and, and we always went with her. 
during that couple weeks every summer. He said, that must have been it. That God planted that word in your heart to be used at the right time. When, when the outside world is saying, you're not worthy, you're not loved, and the world would be better if you're dead. Jesus says, cast your cares upon me because he cares for you. And so we use the word of God through the spirit of God to know his word and his hope for us. But the spirit of God also helps us to be the word of God in the world. All right, that it's not just called, we're not just to be hearers of the word, but we are called to be doers of the word, that we live out what we believe, all right? And so there are some of us who are really good at reading our Bible, but not very good at being a Bible. You know, pastors have said for years, you may be the only Bible that somebody will ever read, all right? And what that means is that we may be the only presence of God that people will ever know. And so we have to, are called to be the word of God to be the love, to be the grace, to be the goodness of God in the land of the living. And that's what people need, all right? Because they may not pick up the Bible, they may not download the Bible app, but they'll see and experience your life, your faith, and your hope. And we can be people who speak words of truth as we live out and speak out the word of God to other people. And so part of this whole thing is if we want to encounter the Holy Spirit of God, one of the primary ways that we can do it is through reading God's word. And that's what this world needs, all right, is, is that we need to center and ground ourselves and to be people who are challenged by the word, all right, and that it is open to what God wants us to do. And so I know that, that reading the Bible can be a really hard thing. It's a really confusing book. But John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist um, movement, he, he sort of had these guidelines for, for reading Scripture. And there were uh, six sort of guides that, that he would give. And I just want to go through those because I think they're actually really helpful of a, of a way to read Scripture. The first thing that he says is he says, set apart time each and every day to read Scripture. All right. Now, for some of us, this is hard to do because maybe we're, our schedules are all off. I know mine's all off, and um, you know I've got all sorts of different things to do. Um, but but here's what I know about myself: is uh, you know a few weeks ago they ended up the Chicago Bulls 1990s documentary. All right, about Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, all those guys. And and so for for five Sundays, beginning in April through May. I made sure that I, I left two hours out of my life so that I could watch that documentary as, you know, as soon as it came out, basically. All right? I set aside my schedule so that that would happen. It's amazing how easy it was for me to do that, but how, much cha how challenging it is sometimes for us to, to do it you know, in our regular daily life. We set aside time for what is important. So set aside time. A lot of people do it in the morning. Maybe you're better at night. All right, maybe it becomes your lunch habit. Whatever it is, you need to prioritize the time. And this is what John Wesley wants us to do, is to set apart time, because we set apart time for what matters most. Now, he does encourage us to read a little from the Old Testament and a little from the New Testament. That This is his second guideline. Read a little from the Old and a little from um, the New. And he said about a chapter. You know, sometimes we try to read the Bible just to get through it, all right? Um, and the, but that's not what the point of reading the Bible is not to get through it, but for God to get through to us. And so often that means sitting with the text, a smaller version of text, than living with a larger version of the text, all right? And so you might just start with a book in the Old Testament and read a chapter, and then go and read a, a chapter from the New Testament, and read it through a couple of times. Let it soak deep into you. Let it challenge you. See what it is that is piercing you 
What is it that's unexpected when you get to the text? And if you've been somebody who's read the Bible your whole life, don't go to the text and say, oh, I know what John 3 says. But say, Lord, what are you saying to me today? All right, and read a little bit from the Old Testament and a little bit from the New Testament. And this is a good practice. The next thing he says is to read to know the whole will of God. All right, he says that that's really with a single eye to know the whole will of God. All right, you don't read the Bible to get better at Bible trivia. You read the Bible to get to know God and what God wants us and you to do. And so this is what we're asking everybody to do, is to read to know the whole will of God. So it's not just like, well, I read that, and now I know more about Ehud. But what does this story mean for me today? And Lord, what are you calling me to do? All right, and so we want to know, God, what is your will for us in the midst of this? Now, the fourth thing that, that he talked about was to look for kind of connections and themes in Scripture. All right, and, and so that we can draw things, that there's a consistency throughout the Bible. You and I have probably all had experiences in which we um, have seen somebody who's just used sort of a random verse to justify things, all right, without it being read in context, without it being able to be seen in the scope of Scripture. So as we read Scripture, we're going to be able to pick up on themes or connections, all right, so we're going to look for that and pay attention. You know, one of the things that I think about when when I read Scripture is that I can't ignore is that God has a, has a bent to the poor, all right? In the Old Testament, he makes sure that the systems are set up for the poor and the vulnerable, all right, so that they're taken care of for the widows and for the orphans. And when I think about the, the New Testament, I, I think about Jesus saying, blessed are the poor. That's what he said in Luke, blessed are the poor. Jesus said, I have been anointed to preach good news to the poor. And so I'm, one of the things that I think about when I look at the world is who are the vulnerable, who are those who, who are in need? Not because I can just go and, and meet every need or, or those sort of stuff, but, but I know that, that God is calling his people to care for them, to meet them where they are, and to walk and journey with them. So who are the poor? Who are the vulnerable? Who are those that are crying out with pain and darkness and in need? And so we look for those connections and themes. Now, another thing that's really important as we read Scripture is to pray. He says to pray before to pray during, and to pray after. Again, the goal of your devotion time is not to get through it, but for God to get through to you. And so this is what John Wesley said, that Scripture can only be understood through the same Spirit whereby it was given. And so the same Spirit that the authors who wrote the books had, and this is what we believe, is that the Holy Spirit spoke through and to the people who wrote this. So too does God speak to each and every one of us. It's a living word. All right, And that's one reason why different people at different times get different things, because it's alive, and God speaks to us. Now, I love this sixth thing that he said, which was to resolve to do the word of God quickly. That whatever, whatever it is that God taught you in the midst of this, all right, if God is, is telling you and, and saying you should do this, all right, resolve to do it quickly, all right? Because sometimes we get something out of the, the Bible study that we have, but then, um, you know, five minutes later we totally forget because we were distracted, all right? That's one of the devil's tools is to distract us, all right? And so what, what John Wesley says is, is resolve to do it quickly. It's say, this is what I want to do, um, and, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a plan to act on the word. Again, Part of our calling is not just to read the word, not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word as well. And so we resolve to do it quickly. And so on this Pentecost Sunday, on this day in which we come to 
experience the Holy Spirit being poured out on us and on others. All right, we do come to people in the Word of God, and we remember that the Word of God is, a, is the sword of the Spirit, and that this can be used to, to penetrate us, all right, but also other people, that, that there are times in which we as people who live through the words, we're going to say things. Um, and and we, hopefully we do it gently and gracefully, but God is going to just use the scripture that we talk about to penetrate our hearts, all right, and to penetrate the hearts of others. But also it's going to be used to defeat the devil and of darkness. Because the enemy is going to try to do all things to, to distract you, to cause you to, to deny the truth of who Jesus is, all right, to deny God's word. And it's up to us to say, no, I have a firm foundation in the word of God, and this is not true. One of the beginning scriptures um, that I used during this thing, uh, as, as we talked about the belt of truth, was Jesus being tempted by the wilderness. And, and, and it's this great story as, of the devil's temptations on Jesus and how Jesus fought back using the word of God. Is, is that he, he had the truth in his heart and he used it to say, this is the truth of life. And this is what's going to happen to us. All right, The more that we take in, the word of God forms us, forms our heart, it forms our way of seeing other people, it forms our mind, our perspective. All right, Then when the temptations come, when the enemy strikes, and we're in the spiritual battle, and that's one of the big things about all this, is we're in a spiritual battle. We can say, no, I stand on the truth of who God is, and God's word, and God's goodness. And I'm going to go do his word as quickly as I can. And so my prayer is that each and every one of us would set apart some time to read some scripture, to open ourselves up, and to be open, Lord, would you just get me right at the heart? And Lord, may I live as scripture for other people as well. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do thank you for your word and for your truth. And Lord, today we pray that, that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us. Lord, for those of us who, who, who aren't good at setting apart time, Lord, would, would we, before this worship service is over, would we write down a time that we are going to, to read your word and be open to your life-transforming truth, Lord, for later on today or for tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening, that we wouldn't let this time pass without prioritizing your word in our lives. And Lord, may your spirit speak to us. Lord, especially for those people who maybe they've been reading the Bible and it feels dry, um, and, and they've been reading stuff, for, and maybe they even stopped because they thought, what am I going to get out of this? I haven't gotten anything lately. Lord, would your spirit touch us? And Lord, may you give us insight. And Lord, whatever it is that us needs to get out of the way, the junk in our lives, Lord, would you knock it out and get us right at the heart? And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.